Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content. So if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is E, and E is for egregious harm. Egregious means outstandingly bad and or shocking. Now, this may seem a strange topic for me to pick, but in the last few weeks, the press has been filled with stories about sexual harassment and sexual touching without consent, and even sexual assault. Most of the recent stories come from television and the film industry and politics, but many industries like banking, for example, are rife with scandals around sexual harassment and also sexual favors in order to get better jobs or bonuses. This week, I want to first look a bit at what happens when someone is violated or touched without consent, and then look at why we as a society seem to have so much trouble getting rid of this problem. Part of the issue is that defining violation and or sexual harassment is subjective. Many times, harassment comes in the form of innuendo and pressure to do something. The issue is whether consent has been granted then becomes the focal point. When the pressure to have sex with a boss is that a job will be lost or a promotion will not be forthcoming, many people will go ahead and accept the sexual contact. The issue is then more complicated as the consent is given grudgingly, but it is still given. Although many people would say that that that's not consent at all. Because when we look at consent, we have to look at whether a person is able to give or deny consent freely. For example, if someone is very drunk, they're really not in any position to give consent. Consent requires you be of sound mind. If you believe you will lose a job, if you don't consent, you're not free to choose. Woman's Watch highlights the definition of sexual harassment that is commonly accepted and speaks of unwelcome behavior and clearly highlights that a person may engage in the behavior and accept the advances even though they don't want to because they fear losing a job or because of other negative consequences. As a result, they are not truly consenting. In the film industry, the point has been made that lip service is paid to anti-discrimination policies. And people say that if you bring a case, you may win some money, but you'll never work again. What impact does being violated have upon the person? Well, impacts vary depending on the type of violation. Was it a rape? Did someone grope you? Did someone make the atmosphere uncomfortable? Impacts also vary depending upon the number of violations. 
Did it happen once or have you been subjected to this for your whole career? Finally, impacts vary depending on the person being violated. Some people are very resilient and it has little effect. Others are not so resilient and it has a devastating effect. If you have experienced um, violation in the past, or if you've experienced trauma in the past, you are much more likely to find it harder to cope with. People who have been violated sexually report lower self-esteem, higher incidence of depression, higher levels of anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, sleep problems, neck pain, problems with relationship, and a loss of enjoyment in their sexual relationships. There's even research that says that sexual harassment can increase blood pressure. There was a study done in Canada that found that women who had experienced repeated incidents of sexual harassment reported higher levels of suicidal thoughts. As you can see, the impact is egregious and lasting. We are aware of the damage sexual harassment and sexual violation does and have been so for a long time. Much effort and money has been expended to create anti-sexual harassment policies in many industries, to provide sensitivity training to workers and bosses in many industries, to lower the incidence of sexual harassment. And yet, people don't appear to take the and yet people don't appear to take the steps necessary to get rid of the perpetrators despite the damage that they do. The Harvey Weinstein scandal spotlighted how many women accept payoffs following harassment incidents and don't go public about the predators. This casts some doubt on the motivation around coming forward now. Is it possible that they're wanting an additional payout, publicity, attention? Are they feeling guilty about not protecting others? How many people in the industry knew about Harvey Weinstein's successes and his bad behavior and did nothing? Are they afraid for their positions or do they simply consider this as part of their industry and not a big deal? It wasn't just the men who were quiet or were condoning. It was the women as well. People appear to take the view that they must look after themselves, but that there is no obligation to look after anyone else. This is unfortunate because it is clear that when someone gets away with something like that once, with that kind of bad behavior once, it will fuel the desire to try again and will make them believe that they can continue to get away with it. Is it possible that for some people, this type of harassment doesn't have much of a negative impact? They just write off the sex and the crude flirting as a cost of doing business and don't think about it again. Is this any different than what young women who marry very rich older men do? They aren't attracted to these guys, but they know in order to get to live the lifestyle they want, sex with these men is the price. Do we have a right to tell people that they cannot make this type of trade? Now I know that those suggestions are disturbing to many. But it is something that we need to consider when we look at this problem so that we are able to separate out the culture of harassment and change it. Where is the line between truly consensual use of sex and innuendo in the workplace in order to advance and harassment? 
And further, where is the line for assault? There would be many people who would argue that there is no way to have the sex be truly consensual because there's a power imbalance in the relationship. It's interesting to me because I remember um, in university and graduate school in particular um, that there was a policy that said that students and professors could not be involved sexually. But there were a number of professors that I came into contact with who had long-term relationships and one in fact had married a student. Now, um, psychology graduate school, many people are coming to psychology as a second career. I was not, so I was young. But uh, many of the people are older in their 30s, some in their 40s, some even in their 50s by the time they come to graduate school. So the idea that an adult who is a student could not make um, a decision to have a relationship with an adult who is a teacher was difficult for many people. There is a power imbalance in the relationship without question. But does that mean that it is impossible for there to be consensual sex? And there is no one answer for that. Harassment, like rape, is not about sex. It is about power. The person wielding the power uses sex as a means to put down the other, to humiliate them, and to control them. Writer and feminist activist Beatrix Campbell says, there's a knowledge of and tolerance of sexual harassment that makes women's journeys through public space always a little bit hazardous. The other structural conversation to have about this apart from power is shame. I think the politics of humiliation which is at the center of all of this, has been erased from the discourse. It can't be underestimated because you were in that room. He did put his hands on your body. Even if you escaped, the point is that you were there. Shame in relation to sex is endemic. Women in this situation feel shame for not finding the will or the ability to say no or to get out of the situation, even though the odds are stacked against them. People have asked the question how these women ended up in a hotel room with Harvey Weinstein, as though that were a reflection on them. Notwithstanding the fact that it is not unusual to have meetings in hotel rooms in the TV and film industries, and also in other industries, the fact is that the person who is being harassed is usually a person of lower power in the organization. They are not in a position to choose the meeting place for an interview or an audition if they truly want the position. Discerning the difference between normal sexual behavior, which is like appropriate flirting in the workplace, for example, and harassment is often seen as a difficulty. However, knowing a bit about the law can help. In UK law, there are two types of sexual harassment. Quid pro quo, which is offering preferential treatment in exchange for sexual fa failures. And hostile work environment, which is when because of sexual harassment, a person feels unsafe or it prevents them from accepting opportunities because they, the work environment becomes so hostile. If someone makes a sexual joke in your hearing at the office and you are offended by this, it may be sexual harassment, but it may not. 
you have to figure, did it affect your ability to do your work or create, did it create a hostile work environment? If not, it may be unpleasant, but it isn't harassment. If someone grabs you and kisses you and you didn't ask them to, that's pretty straightforward. That's harassment. In the first instance, if someone said something in your hearing that's unpleasant, it is up to you to address that issue with them. It is up to you to say, you know, I don't like jokes of that type, or I would prefer you didn't refer to women in that way, or I would prefer you didn't refer to younger men in that way. If your boss lets you know that your promotion is dependent upon your prowess in bed, that's also a pretty straightforward case. If we want this harassment culture to change, we will have to change the way we view women in general. Advertising consistently proves that sex sells. Women are often told that their looks are paramount and encouraged to use their looks. Men are encouraged to look at a woman's body and looks first and any talents second. As long as we perpetuate this sexualized view of women, as long as we don't respect a woman's talents, it will be hard to decrease and then end harassment. Girls are still being told by their mothers that they should use what, and I quote, God gave them. They are still taught to tease in order to, in quotes, catch a man. And as long as we teach girls and women that their bodies are a commodity, sexual harassment will continue. We also need to teach girls and boys that their body is theirs and that they can set boundaries. We need to teach them what boundaries are and how to say no in a clear way that no one will misunderstand. We need to teach them about sexual harassment and sexual assaults. Unfortunately, we don't really teach this. Uh, in the UK, there, there's keep safe training, which is usually only brought into play and given when a child is involved in the um, social services system because there have been issues with um, abuse or neglect. Um, keep safe training is something that should be given to all children. It should be far more detailed, actually. It should be far more nuanced. It needs to be age appropriate. Girls and boys need to learn how to make decisions about their boundaries and how to set them, not just how to notice when somebody violates their boundaries and, and what to do about that. If we want a, the culture that enables predators to thrive to end, we need to have a rational understanding of sexual harassment and assault with clear definitions. We all need to take responsibility for set, setting boundaries and we must have zero tolerance for predatory behavior. Why do I say predatory behavior instead of predators? It is infinitely easier to identify predatory behavior. Identifying predators can be difficult, particularly when they're charming and in positions of power. Predatory behavior, once defined, is simpler to identify. Common predatory behavior includes ignoring personal space boundaries, standing too close, touching you as they brush past you, by accident, of course, finding reasons to have physical contact or to stand too close. There are cultural differences and individual differences when it comes to personal space boundaries. To avoid by violating personal space boundaries in the workplace, find out what the workplace norms are. 
making inappropriate comments as jokes. These comments often focus on how someone looks and can be sexual in nature. They may be purely innuendo, or they may be graphic. This is the hardest to manage in industries that see looks and sexiness as central to the products they provide, for example, modeling or film. Trying to gain sexual or personal favors in exchange for promotion, work-related perks or gains, or stating that a job depends on the favors. Pressuring behavior for attention, for perks, for personal favors, or for intimate favors. Demeaning speech. Anything that implies that a person did not earn their job, anything that implies that someone is not of value for their work, and anything that, that implies that a person is only of value because of looks or sexuality. We can prevent a culture of sexual harassment and assault from continuing. We just have to agree that it is a priority and that the harm created is egregious. Thanks for joining me for the A to Z of Sex this week. Write to me with suggestions for the show, questions you want answered at drlauribeth at a to z of sex.com. That's D R L O R I B E T H at A T O Z O F S E X.com. Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram where I'm at Dr. Bisbee and Facebook, Lori Beth Bisbee. Do check out my YouTube channel where I am Lori Beth Bisbee. For a free 30 minute power. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to https colon forward slash forward slash and click the button that says schedule now. Is BDSM or power exchange for you? Are you already involved but you want to improve things? Is this something that you have had trouble introducing into your relationship? Take my test to find out about your kinky quotient. Head over to https colon forward slash forward slash the dash intimacy dash coach dot com forward slash kinky quotient. That's K-I-N-K-Y. Q-U-O-T-I-E-N-T. If you enjoy the show, please leave me a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks for listening this week. Join me next week for the letter F. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www a to Z of sex.com. That's A T O Z O F S E X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.